to Voices of the Belt and Road podcast, brought to you by the Belt and Road Advisory, your professional advisors on all matters concerning the Belt and Road Initiative. Voices of the Belt and Road is our flagship podcast, and with each episode, we'll hear the personal stories of people who are part of the Belt and Road Initiative. The aim of this podcast is to demystify the initiative by interviewing a broad array of people whose lives are impacted day in and day out by the world's largest cross-border trade initiative and infrastructure build-up. On this podcast, in addition to university researchers, think tank experts, and policymakers, you can also hear from business people, workers, and countless others involved in the Belt and Road. You'll hear people tell their own personal stories in their own languages, because at the end of the day, the Belt and Road Initiative is changing people's lives, and we want you to hear it from them. Please enjoy this week's podcast, and thanks for tuning in. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Voices of the Belt and Road podcast. I'm your host, Greg Stett. Today, we return to the Central and Eastern Europe and investigate the development of the Belt and Road Initiative in Serbia and wider in the Balkans. With me is Dragan Pavricevic, a lecturer at Sian Tiaotong Liverpool University and an expert in Signo Balkan and China Central and Eastern Europe relations. It is a pleasure to have you with us. Thank you, Greg. Thank you for the invitation. Please, tell us a bit about your background. What is your China story? I have been studying China this or, or that way since 1998. I lived in China and for 13 years altogether, uh, 10 of which I spent in Beijing, where I was initially studying language and later on I earned my master's degree in contemporary China studies, but where I also worked uh, for a couple of years in uh, corporate and NGO sectors. Currently, as you said, I'm a lecturer in China studies at Xi'an Jiaotong Liverpool University in in Suzhou. Uh, I've been uh, here since 2016. I'm teaching on Chinese international relations. And um, my research is spanning both domestic and international politics of China, but uh, in the last couple of years, it has been mostly focused on uh, China's relationship with Europe, and particularly Central and Eastern Europe, uh, as well as um, China's uh, infrastructure projects overseas and the role that they play within China's foreign policy. And particularly, I've been looking at uh, China's uh, high-speed railway projects around the world. Thank you very much for that. And can you give us a brief overview of the last two decades of the China-Serbia and wider China-Balkans relations? Has the launch of the Belt and Road Initiative given any new impetus to the relations between China and Balkan countries? Uh, the relationship between China and Balkan countries, I think, have been quite underdeveloped uh, during the period that you just mentioned. Uh, during the 90s and uh, the first decade of 21st century, I think China was primarily interested in developing relations with those countries that could provide investments, could provide markets uh, for China. So, of course, in that sense, Beijing has paid much more attention to, pay, to developing relations with Western European countries rather than countries in Central and Eastern Europe. And then on the, on the other hand, Balkan countries themselves, they have been pretty much inward looking. They have been uh, occupied with internal uh, issues uh, related to political economic transition that was taking place in the region at that time. And of course, uh, in the context of their foreign relations, they have been mostly dominated by the relationship with Brussels in the context of uh, the aspirations of all the Balkan countries to become 
EU members. And of course, the process of accession to the EU membership also, you know, required very demanding reforms and restructuring domestically. So this is very much what the Balkan countries have been focused on. So this has changed, I think, uh, quite uh, significantly since uh, 2012. And indeed, there have been a new impetus given to the uh, relationship between the Balkan region and, uh, and China that was given by the establishment to 16 plus 1 and then later on uh, by Belt and Road Initiative. So 16 plus 1 is a multilateral framework which was initiated by China, formally established in 2012. It brings together 16 countries of Central and Eastern Europe and China. Under this framework, the relationship between uh, uh, these 16 countries and China have been developing very rapidly over the last couple of years. And uh, I think these two initiatives, they have essentially given the structure and the mechanisms for a more frequent diplomatic exchange between the Balkan countries and, uh, and China. And also they have provided a very loose policy framework, but still something that could serve as a blueprint for developing developing relationship between uh, Balkans and China. Now, when it comes to Serbia, Serbia was always a little bit of an outlier uh, in terms of its uh, relationship with China among Balkan countries. Uh, it has maintained a very substantial relationship with Beijing even before 2012. This was, I think, at least uh, partially a result of the experience of the NATO military campaign against Serbia in 1999. Uh, during which uh, the Chinese embassy in Belgrade was also bombed and demolished. But also uh, later on, as Belgrade was uh, seeking for international support to prevent international recognition of what it regards as its runaway province of Kosovo, China, in the context of its own uh, territorial issue, is a very staunch supporter of the principles of state sovereignty and territorial integrity. So in China, essentially, Serbia found a very reliable source of support on this particular issue. So already from 2008, Beijing was elevated to, to the position of one of the four pillars of Serbia's diplomacy, together with uh, Brussels, Moscow and Washington. And in 2009, Serbia and China have uh, signed a strategic partnership. And in parallel with all those developments on, uh, if you want, diplomatic and political level, the economic relationship has been also developing very rapidly between Serbia and China. Uh, a major milestone was achieved uh, by the first infrastructure project delivered by Chinese companies and on the back of Chinese financing in Europe, which is a Zemun-Borcha bridge in the vicinity of the Serbian capital, Belgrade. This project was agreed in 2009, and after that was followed by many other, uh, by series of other projects. While at the same time, also trade and investment has been also on the rise, although starting from a very low base, but still dramatically growing over the last 15 or so years. So this uh, more substantial state of affairs between Serbia and China as compared to the overall relationship that China has with other countries in Central and Eastern Europe or in Balkan region has been also captured very well and reflected in a comment by a Chinese ambassador to Serbia, who at one point uh, suggested that uh, due to the high number of agreements and projects that have been agreed upon and implemented by China and Serbia, uh, the 16 plus 1 framework, so the framework that brings together 16 countries of Central and Eastern Europe and China, should be better referred to as 15 plus 1 plus 1, so 15 countries of Central and Eastern Europe, China and Serbia. And I think this reflects very well how uh, special uh, or more substantial this relationship between Serbia and China has been when compared to the relationship that the other Balkan countries had with China. So you've already mentioned some of the projects, but how are the Chinese projects typically run in Serbia? Can you give us three most important examples of such projects? Right. 
According to the Serbia's current Minister of Construction, Transport and Infrastructure, there are 9 billion euros worth of Chinese infrastructure projects in Serbia. And that is out of 16 billion euros worth of infrastructure projects in total that are being implemented by 2018. So these are projects in multiple sectors. They include highways and other transportation infrastructures, such as railways, for example, but also power plants, industrial parks, and so on. So Serbia has, in recent years, made the infrastructure development one of its key priorities. And in that sense, China is clearly a key contributor. It's a key enabler of such an agenda. Typically, uh, projects, uh, infrastructure projects at least, are negotiated directly on the state-to-state level. They are financed through a soft loan from one of the China policy banks. And then a majority of the projects are delivered by Chinese companies and consortiums. Although there are some terms uh, usually specifying a certain degree of involvement of domestic companies. So, for example, in the case of the bridge project that I just mentioned, participation of local companies was contractually set at 45% of the value of the projects, although we don't know really whether these terms are upheld during the implementation of that project and of the other projects as well. Uh, And apart from this uh, project, which was again a milestone, it was very important because it was the first completed infrastructure project and at that time in Serbia it was hailed as a project that represents a new model of infrastructure development in Serbia. There are, I think, uh, two other projects that might be worth mentioning. Uh, One of them is uh, the upgrade and extension of a major power plant. Uh, This is a a project that is worth more than one billion U.S. dollars. And this project has been praised for not only improving energy security of Serbia, but also for bringing uh, what used to be technologically and environmentally a very backward plant bringing it up to uh, the higher EU level standards and in that uh, sense also facilitating, if you want, uh, you know, uh, improving Serbia's prospect of uh, EU membership in the future as well. The third project maybe that could be interesting is also uh, the upgrade of the Belgrade-Budapest railway link uh, and eventually the extension of this link to the south, to Macedonia and Greece. And this project as well is uh, very much understood as one of the most important developmental projects for Serbia. Thank you very much for that. So what is the tangible impact of the growing relationship with China on Serbian economy? And how does this translate into political arena? Many say that China can use its economic influence to impose political will. Do you see that happening in Serbia or in other Balkan countries? So we talked about infrastructure projects, but in recent years, uh, uh, when it comes to the economic relationship between China and Serbia, there have been other very important events that can also, I think, illustrate very well the tangible impact of Chinese economic involvement in Serbia on the local economy. Uh, For example, in 2016, uh, a Chinese uh, state-owned Hrstil acquired Serbian steel mill Smedrevo, which uh, is very important for Serbian economy because when it works at full capacity. Uh, This steel mill is the second biggest exporter in Serbia. It amounts to uh, 14% of Serbia's exports. And of course, it's a very important contributor to Serbian uh, state budget. Now, this uh, steel mill has been sold back to uh, the Serbian state by the previous owners for only $1 in the aftermath of the global financial crisis as the global demand for steel plummeted. And uh, of course, uh, Serbian uh, government and Serbian state uh, found themselves in a very difficult position about this, but because the steel mill employs 5,000 people, 
and the economy in that region uh, of Serbia depends very much on this steel mill. And uh, uh, as I say, it is very important in terms of budget revenues, Serbian exports as well. So uh, because of the concerns, what kind of consequences, uh, political, economic, would uh, there be if this mill was closed? What the Serbian government has done for a couple of years uh, has, uh, has been to essentially subsidize the steel mill with more than 200 million US dollars per year. And it was trying desperately to find a strategic partner or to find a new owner, which was very unsuccessful for a couple of years, until in 2016, uh, still acquired it for roughly around 46 million US dollars. It has committed to invest additional 300 million US dollars to significantly increase the capacity in the coming years. And looking at the report so far, including the most recent reports that look at uh, contribution of this steel mill to Serbian exports and so on, it is quite clear that since 2016, the company has uh, became profitable again. It has retained all of its uh, 5,000 employees, and there is ongoing investment in modernization and expansion of production of this steel mill. So, very, very important, very important project for Serbia. Uh, more recently, earlier this year, another Chinese state-owned corporation, Zhejin Mining, uh, acquired uh, a majority stake in what has been a money-losing, debt-ridden uh, copper mine RTB bore. Uh, this is a package that is worth uh, roughly 1.1 billion euros. It covers RTB bore's uh, debt of roughly outstanding debt of roughly 200 million uh, US dollars. And then it also covers an investment that will double the production within the next couple of years. And also the new owners, Zajin, has uh, committed to keep all of the 5,000 jobs at the mine. Uh, so uh, we will have, of course, to wait to see uh, before uh, we can really verify whether this is what will happen. But both of these acquisitions have been expected to make a very significant positive long-term impact on uh, Serbia's economy. Now, with uh, such strategic investments, with very high level of participation in the infrastructure projects uh, that are also strategic importance for Serbia, uh, of course, the questions have been whether this can be used and whether it is used by China to influence Serbian uh, domestic uh, and foreign uh, policies. In my uh, opinion, the short answer is no. For one, if influence is about making other party do what it otherwise would not do, if it is about shaping preferences and behavior of others, so far there are no really documented cases where we could clearly see that because of a pressure of certain demands made by China, uh, Serbia has adopted certain policies or changed the course of uh, action or changed its behavior on certain issues. So, uh, of course, uh, to be certain, uh, China has been asking for uh, recognition, uh, essentially, of what it regards as its core interests, major policies, and in that context, of course, Serbia has extended support for Belt and Road Initiative. Uh, it has also extended support for China's position of on uh, the South China Sea issue, which is maybe a little bit more controversial, but again, it should be understood in the context of Serbia's own territorial problems with Kosovo and the support that China extends to Belgrade on that issue. So it is not really a matter of Chinese pressure or Chinese influence, but rather uh, a very rational calculation of interest uh, on the Serbian on the Serbian behalf. And uh, I think what is also very important uh, to say when it comes to these discussions about Chinese influence, I think it's very important to note that despite all that growing involvement in Serbian economy, China still does not have that economic significance for Serbia as Europe has. So 
If you look at the list of Serbia's major investment and trade partners, this list is stopped by European countries, and in that sense, uh, there is very little, if at all, uh, uh, leverage available to China, and certainly much less than what is commonly assumed. Similar context, similar situation is in the terms of relationship that other Balkan countries uh, have uh, with China. So uh, these concerns about the diminishing status of the EU, particularly in Serbia uh, and Balkans, uh, are very much off the mark. And uh, I'll just give you one illustration. Uh, during a meeting with Angela Merkel in February 2018, uh, Serbian uh, Prime Minister Vucic said, and I, I quote here, uh, that we, that meaning Serbia, we take every agreement we reach with China to the EU for permission. And I think this very much explains what are the power relations uh, involved uh, uh, in terms of Serbia's relationship with China and the EU. What about the media perception and perception of the general public? What's the level of knowledge and interest in China among the political and business elites? Is China being considered an important player by these groups? China is being considered, but China is not, uh, I would say, a major foreign policy issue. Now, we, we talked about the importance of these infrastructure projects, uh, these strategic investments and so on, and of course, given their value and significance, there is uh, much reporting about them, and hence there is really much more visibility about of China in Serbia than, than, than before. But uh, I think it is fair to say... Uh, China and Chinese companies in Serbia are not among the major newsmakers. And, uh, of course, uh, uh, media attention has been much more focused on other domestic issues. And when it comes to Serbia's foreign relations, I think uh, uh, media is much more focused on Serbia's relationship with EU, with Russia, with other major European countries, with the U.S., and not on the relationship with China. And I think that, again, reflects very much the priorities uh, of, of Serbia when it comes to the, to, the, to the foreign relations. Okay, let us now focus on the elephant in the room. So, the Belgrade-Budapest railway. It is supposed to be the biggest story of the Belt and Road Initiative in the Central and Eastern Europe. But how has it been really progressing? And what can it tell us about the Belt and Road Initiative in Central and Eastern Europe in general? All right, so uh, Belgrade-Budapest uh, Railway is a flagship project not only in the context of Serbia's relationship with China, but also in the context of 16 plus 1 and China's relationship with all of Central and Eastern Europe. It entails upgrade of an existing link between the uh, Serbian capital of uh, Belgrade and the uh, Hungarian capital of Budapest, and uh, I would think that the whole project is valued at close to or 3 uh, billion US U.S. dollars. So the project has been discussed since 2012, uh, but not much uh, has been uh, happening for a couple of years as the negotiations have been uh, going on and also as uh, the project was delayed by the concerns about whether project is structured in accordance with uh, European regulations and laws and standards. But uh, the works on the first section of the project have commenced at the beginning of this year. That is a very short uh, section of roughly 30 kilometers uh, in Serbia, and the uh, delivery is run by a Chinese consortium, which is headed by China Communication Construction Company. Now, the importance of this project is that it is a part of uh, the broader Belt and Road framework, so the uh, railway link is expected to be extended to the south, to Macedonia and to the Greece, uh, uh, to the uh, Greek port of Piraeus, which is now majority owned and operated by a Chinese state-owned company, Costco, and which is now serves as a kind of major entry point for Chinese goods into, into Europe. So 
I think there are expectations that once the whole link is in place, this will have a very positive impact on the trade between China and Europe. So, uh, Belgrade-Budapest uh, Railways project has been uh, heavily criticized and very much politicized, mostly outside of Serbia, uh, while hardly getting off uh, the ground. It also certainly has not been a success story so far. The criticism has focused on the fact that the project has been agreed uh, on the state-to-state level, circumventing the EU requirements for competitive, transparent, open procedures for all public procurement projects. Uh, there are also concerns about the costs uh, of the project, uh, about the long-term financial uh, viability of the project, and there are also concerns about repeated delays to the start and clearly by now uh, the end of the project. So in that sense, uh, the project is very emblematic uh, when it comes to the Widespread perceptions, I think, of Belt and Road Initiative is a very ineffective and risky framework and platform for others to engage with China, and uh, also the challenges that uh, Belt and Road Initiative faces uh, in Europe and in Central and Eastern Europe. But then, on the other hand, it is also very typical in terms of the significant economic benefits that are often perceived to exist uh, in Belt and Road Initiative for countries in Central and Eastern Europe and uh, beyond. In this case specifically, there are expectations that uh, the Belgrade-Budapest Railway Link project will provide a much-needed uh, short-term economic stimulus, it will boost uh, economic growth, it will boost employment rate in Serbia. In longer term, uh, there are expectations that the state budget will benefit significantly from the transit fees that will be collected on the transport of the goods from uh, the Greek port. There are hopes that the improved transportation infrastructure, so this railway project, but also other, for example, highway projects which uh, are being built by Chinese companies, among others, uh, that they will all make Serbia a much more attractive destination for foreign investment and much more attractive and more easily accessible uh, destination to tourists, which would all have a very positive impact on uh, Serbian economy in long term. So from that case, we can see that the cooperation is not necessarily always simple or straightforward. What are the three biggest challenges in making the Sino-Serbian cooperation effective? And is the situation similar in other Balkan states? Right. Well, there are many challenges, uh, and some of them are internal to the Sino-Serbian or uh, Sino-Balkan relations, and some of them are to some extent external to it. One of the key challenges, I think, is about finding the right modality uh, for joint projects in the future, especially in the context of the required synchronization of Serbia's laws, regulation and policies with those uh, of the EU uh, in the process of Serbia's accession. Serbia is currently a candidate uh, candidate country. And uh, this is something that is very much emphasized by Brussels at this moment. So the future projects will likely have to be structured in such a way so that they are aligned with uh, the laws and regulations and policies of the EU, which means For example, that uh, so far preferred model for joint projects, so based on state-level negotiations and agreements, that will have to be abandoned or it will have to be adjusted, or Serbia and China have to find other forms and channels uh, of economic cooperation, maybe boost China's investments in Serbia or uh, facilitate uh, more exports uh, of Serbian products to China, and then hope that this will uh, contribute to the economic relationship more and ensure that this economic relationship will continue to grow and deepen. So this is, I think, one of the biggest challenges for the next couple of years. So on a more operational level, uh, 
despite the willingness and commitment that exists uh, on both sides to deepen trade and investment relationship, in practice so far it has uh, proved uh, very difficult to achieve uh, real breakthroughs in this regard. Uh, just to give you one example, uh, over the last couple of years, uh, the establishment of several uh, development zones in Serbia that would attract, that were supposed to attract Chinese investment um, and to service, uh, you know, to facilitate the trade and investment relationship between Serbia and China and China and Europe. So there have been announcements about uh, several of these uh, uh, development zones being established in China on the back of uh, uh, Chinese uh, interest and, and, and capital. However, there has been very little progress. and. The issues can be found on both sides uh, of this relationship. On Serbian side, I think uh, these are the projects that require a very strong role of the state, but uh, there is a question of whether there is understanding of what kind of support is uh, required from the state for these projects to be, to be successful and whether there is a capacity to mobilize and to coordinate resources and policies to make uh, these uh, development zones eventually take place, become operational, become sustainable, and so on. And from the Chinese side, uh, there have been certain issues as well in the sense that uh, although there are frequent visits of business delegations from China, um, which include the representatives from both the state-owned and private sectors, and uh, of course the idea of these business delegations and visits is to promote Serbia as an investment and business destination for Chinese uh, companies. Very few of these companies go back to China having identified opportunities for, for example, establishing production uh, uh, bases in, in uh, production capacities in Serbia or more broadly developing their businesses in Serbia. So. Of course, one part of this issue is that Serbia is a very, very relatively actually small economy, but I think a more important uh, part of the problem here is that the cultural and political and economic context in Serbia is very different to that of uh, China's, and that there is very, very little knowledge and understanding of what the local market conditions are, what is the investment environment in Serbia, technical standards, laws, regulations, and maybe, uh, and probably crucially, what kind of uh, support systems would be available to Chinese enterprises that would decide to move uh, to Serbia. So in that sense, I think what uh, has to be done uh, on both sides is to put further efforts in developing both soft and hard infrastructures uh, and uh, uh, create an environment that could really uh, push forward uh, the economic operation. And that's it for today. Dragan, thank you very much for sharing your insights about the development of the Belt and Road Initiative in Serbia and wider in the Balkans. It was great to have you on the show. Thank you very much. this week's Voices of the Belt and Road podcast. If you want to learn more about the Belt and Road Initiative, check out our website at beltandroad.ventures. That's Belt and Road, one word, no spaces, and dot ventures, V-E-N-T-U-R-E-S. On the website, you can subscribe to our weekly Belt and Road Bulletin and also follow our Belt and Road Advisory social media accounts on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram. That way, you'll always be up to date on what is happening on the Belt and Road. Thanks for tuning in and see you next week.